On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. You are tuned in to Americana Music Profiles. Thanks for joining us for the second season, brought to you exclusively by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine. Man, it's people like you that, that makes it possible for us to get out here and enjoy this life. Thank you for getting in touch with me. I'm so glad you love what we do. Thank you for your help with everything, Greg. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing you've got going there. I'm your host and publisher, Greg Tutwiler. Now let's get to this week's show. Los Angeles, California is home for R.J. Comer, the former frontman of the Dancehall Pimps. R.J. Comer redefines his musical style as a stripped-down version of Americana rock. He is my guest today on the Americana Music Profiles podcast, and we are going to be talking about his new upcoming EP, Nightly Suicide. Welcome to the podcast this afternoon, R.J., Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You bet, man. Looking forward to it. So we're, we were talking off air here just a little bit ago uh, about this idea of Americana, and, and I, I stopped you because I really felt like the listeners would, would maybe enjoy this, this piece of the conversation. So if you remember where we were, jump back in. We were talking about uh, your take on Americana music. Yeah, um, I think of Americana music as a spectrum. Um, and and uh, like your magazine, Americana Rhythm Magazine, is a great name because the, there's so many different rhythms in the genre, and, uh-huh. and in the spectrum of the genre, you know, there's everything from you know bluegrass to swamp, folk. Right. Um, right. I include I include certain kinds of blues in Americana, especially acoustic blues. Yeah. And then there's an Americana rock genre um, that this current record of mine is really focusing on that Americana rock sound. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Whereas my my first record focused on the swamp sound, uh, where I play banjo on every track, and there's fiddles and so forth, and it was mostly made in Louisiana. Um, and I like to explore that entire spectrum rather yeah. than say, "Oh, I'm I'm a folk musician. Yeah. I'm a, a singer. You know, you know, like an Americana singer songwriter. I do that entire spectrum yeah. in my live show. And I and with each of these EPs, I'm going to be exploring a different subgenre of Americana. Okay, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Um, so. I'm going to dial back just a little bit. Um, I, I'm picking up on something here that was in um, a piece of press material that a little bit about your oh, back. No. <laughs> uh, a little bit about your backstory. The, 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 the sentence here is he started out singing in church and around the campfire, but ended up in a lot of bad places at wrong times. Uh, so maybe, maybe kind of without divulging too much personal information, give me a little bit of your backstory and, and, and yeah. how this whole thing started for you. Well, I will say that all the statute of limitations have run on the crime story okay. that not been caught. Um, and I'm, I'm a very good law-abiding citizen today. But no, I did start learning to sing in church. I'm actually a northern boy from Chicago okay. uh, with a southern boy, southern boy's heart. Yep. And uh, I'm, you know, I sang at the cathedral in Chicago and sang in church in my hometown of Libertyville, just north of Chicago. My mom was a choir director, and you know, she started me on a path toward really classical music. Um, and my dad and my grandpa were folk guys. They played banjo and guitar and ukulele, and we'd go on hunting trips and fishing trips and, and camping trips, and, and they were the guys who provided the music around the campfire, so I got the best of both worlds. Yeah, cool. Um, from, you know, the American songbook to jazz to classical, and then 
real folk music. The first record my dad ever gave me was Lester Flatt and Earl Scruggs. Ah, uh, cool. The, the second record he gave me was B.B. King Live at Cook County Jail. <laughs> and the third record he gave me was the Preservation Hall Jazz Band. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And That's the a first mix. Record my mom, first record my mom gave me was Tommy Dorsey. <laughs> <laughs> So, so you, you've got a, quite an interesting uh, list of ingredients there to, to get your music career started with. Yeah. But the bad places came after. My dad died when I was a kid, and you know we were a working-class family, and uh -huh. we were pretty poor. I literally did live in a trailer park. I'm that guy. Uh, you know how hard it is to get a date in high school when you live in a trailer park? You know? <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. It, it ain't easy, brother. Yeah. <laughs> um, and my, my 20s, I kind of uh, – I went to music school after high school, but I dropped out, and um, I just wasn't ready. I wasn't mature enough for music school, and I spent my 20s, you know, getting into a lot of trouble, let's yeah. just say that, um, and uh, eventually kind of straightened my life out. So that's the bad place and wrong time, but it pays off because, man, when you're a guy with an acoustic guitar and you walk up on stage at a biker bar, you better have a little bit of grit. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I've literally played stages where there's chicken wire in front of the stage. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah, huh. Huh. Bisbee, Arizona. <laughs> so when did when did music become the thing that you were going to do? It always was, okay. um, except I, I, I thought I was going to be a priest until puberty hit. Okay. Um, yeah. So that was short lived. Yeah. Um, but I was I was doing music as a kid. I was you know I was that boy soprano that sang the Ave Maria at every wedding and funeral. Okay. Um, and uh, and I was doing musical theater as a kid um, in high school. Um, well, in high school, I got kind of popped for card theft, and instead of sending me to jail, they told me I had to enroll in the vocal music department. Oh, really? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so by the time I graduated from high school, I was writing, you know, motets for the concert choir. Oh, all right. You know, yeah. in my high school. Yeah, so it's always been a thing I did. Um, it's not always been a thing I've done successfully. Um, but it's because, uh, you know, I was, I was literally starving in America in my 20s. Okay. Um, but but uh, it's always been what I do. Uh, it said here too in the notes that you um, played music for a while and took some time off to get quote yeah. a real job. What 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 prompted that? Uh, the the starving part, or was there something else? Yeah, pretty much starvation. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I uh, uh, I don't talk about it much, but since you asked, I I was a practicing lawyer for twenty years. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah, I went I went back to school. Okay. Um, and uh, I've always been pretty good at school when I applied myself. Uh -huh. And I was really fortunate. I had a I had a very nice legal career where I wasn't playing any music at all. And then about um, uh, shoot, it's almost nine years ago now. Uh, I started a band for fun, and that band got signed. You know, it yeah. got signed within a year of of its first public performance, and it got signed to Lakeshore Records. That was the Dancehall Pimps. Uh -huh. And suddenly, I'm a professional music musician again um, through Providence or what I like to call God. Yeah, and um, uh, that's how I got back into music. So, did you leave the law practice? Are you? Are, is this now not, the at, full thing? Yes, it is. But not at first. I, at first, I was in a signed band and working full time as an attorney, um, and it was a grind, man. Yeah. Uh, and then I then I semi retired, and now I'm fully retired. Okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. So that's that, that, that's quite a interesting journey from. From uh, brushes with the law, trying to find yourself to to the other side of the bench, <laughs> and then yeah. and then well, back to music. Well, the good news is, is I never got, I never went down for a felony, yeah. um, and I, I never, went, I, I never went down for a crime, or I never served time, which I wouldn't have been able to become a lawyer if I did. But 
Um, there is a very lengthy background in, uh, examination to become a lawyer in California, which I had me sweating bullets a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I can <laughs> but imagine. I was, com- I was completely truthful on my application, so that that helped a lot. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, I, I'm sure this is a, an obvious and, and potentially dumb question, but all of that, I, I presume, has influenced this the sound that you have now, right? Oh yeah, yeah, a lot, and 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 it's also the it's the experiences that I plumb for a lot of my music, not all of it, but. You know, songs like I Wasn't Born an Angel on my first record and songs like Nightly Suicide on this record, uh-huh. you know, those those songs are about my life in my 20s. Yeah. Um, and, and then if you listen carefully, redemption is a big theme of mine because I'm, I'm a living, breathing example of redemption. I'm not just talking about, you know, the Christian idea of redemption. I'm talking about just redemption that when you change your life and you decide to live a different life and you decide to try to make amends for your past behavior and yeah. what was learned from it, you know that's a form of redemption. Sure, it you know, is. Putting, relig- putting religion aside, and you know that's that's a theme in a lot of my in a lot of my music. But you know, there's a lot of darkness in my music. There's a lot of darkness in my past. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I think too, without without uh, going down a philosophical bunny trail for the next three hours, the the, <laughs> the whole idea of of redemption is facing your your past and and religion sometimes doesn't really encourage that so you really do kind of have to step outside this whole box of of what they try to put people in if if this is if you feel called to do that and that's the path that you want to pursue it's it's uh it's kind of a lonely road a lot of times it can be i mean i i think of it as redemption is where you stop digging the hole you're in yeah. and you get the hell out of the hole yeah, yeah. and change and change your life and, and become a better person yeah. that's really what redemption's about and um and there's got to be some hope there's got to be some hope or you right. or you don't it, i find i didn't have the ability to do that without some shimmer of hope yeah um and uh even though that hope can be pretty existential like in uh, the song stepping down where i say i feel so much better since i gave up hope uh-huh. Um, that's a bit of a that's a bit of a, a satirical, tongue-in-cheek way of saying that I gave up hope in the wrong thing, uh-huh. but I kind of got got hope in the right thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, hope in the wrong thing is going to take you in the wrong direction, and we have a world full of people with hope in the wrong things. Hey, I, I lived that for a while, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, that's cool. I, I I appreciate that side of of that, and and you sharing a little bit of that because I think. People need more um, uh, healers uh, or agents of healing, and, and music is certainly one of those ways where people can find that. Yeah, and it starts with identification, I think. I mean, that's, that's why, like, I don't shy away. You know, I, don't, I try not to be vulgar in my songs, but I try to be, you know, pretty, um, uh, I try to paint a pretty clear picture mm-hmm. of, of some of the things that, that I went through. And that's so that the audience can identify. It's like, oh, yeah, I've gotten my ass kicked in jail. Or, oh, yeah, I've been really lonely at night with feeling like the moon is my only friend. Yeah. And then we, we can start there identifying with each other, and then we can go to a, a better place together. Yeah, 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 that's cool. So you, you um, were a lawyer and, and this, this band, the, the Dance Hall Pimps. Tell me about that. It, it, it was yeah. a seven-piece blues band with a horn section. That sounds like it had to be a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It was a blast. Um, uh, the only problem with that band is it was so big uh, that it was impossible to tour. It just couldn't, it couldn't, af- couldn't afford to tour with that band, and okay. that was one of the problems uh-huh. with the band. But so we were an LA regional band, but you know we tore it up on the Sunset Strip, and it was a big, fun, loud, raucous show. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, we ended up being the band that was called to open more than once for national traveling acts that were coming through L.A., okay. um, especially acts from New Orleans. So we opened for the Rebirth Brass Band when they came to town. Awesome. We opened for Leo Nocatelli and Stanton Moore, which is how I got to know Stanton, who played on my first solo record. Okay. And we opened for the Fix once, wow. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> they they knew that we would whip their crowd into a frenzy just yeah. in time for them to take the stage. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And that lasted for you how long? About well, let's see, we start we formed in two thousand nine. Our first record, actually, we finished our record in two thousand eleven. It came out in twenty twelve. Then we did a second record, and then by the time we did the second record, I knew the band had run its course. Hmm. Um, you know, with a band that couldn't tour. Uh, that didn't chart on its first record, although it was, you know, critically acclaimed. Right. I knew the band had run its course, and here's here's the big problem with dancehall temps. As fun as they were, they couldn't play quiet. Oh. <laughs> you know? yeah. And I wanted to do some quiet songs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so you you guys parted ways, and however that that went down, and and stepped back out into where you're at now, which is your solo career. Yeah, and it was scary too, man. I mean, I remember walking out my first solo gig. Which is a small little venue here in LA, and uh, it was the first time I performed solo in almost 30 years. And wow. uh, and I'm not I'm a much better guitar player than I am than I was then. But I'm you know no one comes to see my show to see me play guitar. Right. Um, they come to hear me sing. Yeah. And I'll tell you, man, I was I was and I'm not someone who gets nervous on stage, but I was scared that first time. Mm. Mm. You get you get comfort when you've got six guys around you all sure. at the top of the game. You can you can there's a there's a certain comfort in that. Yeah, you know? yeah. How how long did it take you to to find your groove in that back as a solo artist? It took about a year. I mean, I, I took some time to really get better at guitar. That was important. Okay. Uh, I'm a pretty good banjo player, but I'm not a big fan of banjo as a solo accompaniment instrument. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, there's some guys that do it really well. You know, a guy like Scott Michelson up in um, San Francisco does it beautifully. Uh, I don't like it for me as much, so I had to kind of transition from banjo to guitar. And um, it really culminated. I was on tour with Steve Forbert. I love Steve. He was a very generous guy. And but you know he played big houses. You know we, yeah. we did you know Palm's Playhouse. You know or the Palm the Palm Playhouse, which is an old opera house up in the farm country. Uh-huh. And where it culminated for me, where I knew I got it is I walked out in front of his audience. The place was packed. They had paid $25 not to see me. <laughs> um, and it wasn't, a, it wasn't a bar. I mean, these people were sitting in chairs with their hands in their lap waiting to be entertained. Mm-hmm. And it was a make-it-or-break moment for me. If I, couldn't, if I couldn't make that moment work and if I couldn't turn those folks into fans, then I knew I was either out too early or maybe on the wrong path. And uh, luckily, it was a great night. Yeah, you know, really. yeah that's cool. So what does it look like for you now? Are you are you able to tour now, or is that part of what you're doing yet? Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it's grinding, but it's awesome. I just I just came back from five states, two countries. Oh, um, cool. Uh, this year alone, um, did Canadian Music Week, played in Chicago, you know, did a bunch of dates in Texas during South by Southwest, played in Tennessee and Florida, and just kind of just went where the fans were. Yeah. Um, and uh, I enjoy it. I, I much more enjoy it if I can drive, which is one of the reasons uh, we're, I'm moving to Tennessee next year. Oh, cool. Because I want to be more centrally located so that I can drive my tours rather than get on a plane in L.A., fly to the American South, rent a car, and then go touring, and then have to fly to the next state. Yeah. Uh, 
that's a real grind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I hear a lot of artists that are left or right coast struggle with a desire to get one direction or the other and, and having a hard time figuring out how to make that work. Yeah, especially when you mostly, like me, I mostly get booked in the American South. You know, I spent five weeks in New Orleans last year, yeah. and uh, that was fantastic, but, you know, of course, I have to fly there. I don't play the Southwest or the L.A. area very often. Yeah. Um, it's just not, it, there's not as strong a scene for what we, what we the, like the Americana roots, uh-huh. is not really strong here. Right. And, uh, and it's not where my fan base is. I mean, when I do a show in L.A., it's mostly my friends coming to the show okay. and some fans. Yeah. But... Honestly, my fans aren't. My friends are not listening to this music when they go home. They're there because they're my friends. Right. <laughs> As opposed to, you know, when you play Sarasota, Florida, everybody is there because they love this kind of music, and hopefully, they've heard your music and uh-huh. they want to they uh-huh. hear you play live. Uh-huh. That's a very different vibe. Do you do you get to do festivals also, or is it more venues and coffee house, pubs, theaters well, kind of thing? It's. It's, I don't get to do as many festivals as I'd like. It's hard to, it's hard to get booked at a festival as a solo artist. Uh-huh. If I had a band, it'd probably do better. But I did do Canadian Music Week, and I did three showcases at South by. But I haven't been really you know, killing it on the festival circuit. But the venues I know most often play, I, I'll do coffeehouse gigs because they're a great warm-up, uh-huh. and, uh, and I like them. But my favorite kind of gig is, a, is listening rooms. Yeah, you know, when, I can, yeah. when I can find a place that is, maybe serves alcohol, but it's not a bar. Right. So you're not competing with the hockey game, the pool table, you know, yeah. people talk to their friends, which I can do those gigs, and I'm happy to do them, but, um, I, you know, no, no singer-songwriter enjoys that as much as they enjoy a listening room. Sure, yeah, like, of course. Like here in L.A., the listening room is Room 5 or Kulak Woodshed, and they're, and places where people come, they sit, they look at the stage, and they want to be entertained. Yeah, 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 that's cool. So the, the new album is Nightly Suicide. Tell me about that a little bit. That's an EP, right? Yes, the Nightly Suicide is an EP. It's, America, it's the Americana Rock EP. And I, what I'm trying to do is, rather than do full LPs, which I'm not sure there's a real good reason for an independent artist to do LPs unless, they're, unless they really have 10 or 12 super great songs right. that all fit together. Yeah. Um, I'd, rather, I'd rather do really tight EPs that focus on a specific subgenre of Americana, mm-hmm. show what I thought on that, and then move on to the next genre. Yeah. Um, and Nightly Suicide is the Americana Rock EP. Um, and it's also, the, but it, even though it's, a, it's an Americana rock record, it's probably my most intimate and confessional record to date. Huh. I mean, I, I really open my heart on this record and let you see kind of what I went through yeah. um, in, my, in my early days and what that was like. Did you write these songs specifically for this EP, or are they a collection of songs that you've written over the, the last several years? There, no, there, there's a combination. Some of the songs have been kicking around and couldn't f- quite find a home until they had songs written to go with them. Okay. So, um, so Nightly Suicide um, is a song that I've had, but and, and I realized, let's do a whole record kind of coming off of that song. And then I wrote the songs for that. By the way, I did not write X's and O's. That was a cover. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of people in the Americana genre won't, rec- won't know that it was a cover because it's... Uh, the cover of an L. King song that was really popular as a pop song. Right. Um, and uh, But I, I, it was amazing how many people don't know that that's L. King's song that was a Grammy-nominated rock, rock record on the uh, 2015 Grammy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I recognize the name, and I, I kind of just made the presumption that it was probably a cover, so I'm glad you clarified yep. that. <laughs> yeah, cool. 
And that is came out in, in March, right? Yes. And the tour that you're on now is for this record? Well, yes, but I just finished it. I just got home on Monday. Okay. Okay. And I'm going to be home for a while. We, you know, we've got. A, I've got. A, we've made two music videos for this record. And okay. We need to make. We need to make a third, um, which I think we're shooting on the 24th, as a matter of fact. And then uh, I'm going to do an LA show because I haven't played in LA in a long time. So I'm going to do an LA show in June, and then I'm going to kind of like you know sit tight through the summer, uh, write some songs, start figuring out what the next record's going to be, uh-huh. um, and then head out again in the fall, which I I don't know where I'm going yet. Okay. Um, I like to go up to Oregon because there's a radio station up there called Ocean Beach Radio that has been spinning the hell out of my record, which I really appreciate. Go yeah, Ocean for Beach. sure. Um, and but at the same time, I I moved to Tennessee and I have a place in Tennessee and and I'd like to go back to Tennessee and then kind of go around those states, you know, hit Virginia and yeah. in the Carolinas and Ohio and Arkansas and like just kind of like circle around for a while. Yeah. And I just don't know what I'm going to do yet. We haven't made that decision. How, how far out? Do you do you envision your career? Do you have a do you have a a, a goal or a, a a plan that you're working from that that is more than a you know a year eighteen months out? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I kind of I, I let it be organic in the sense that you know uh, I'm just a really happy you know fifty two year old guy who gets to play music for a living. Yeah. But you know the the goal is is different parts of the music business. I'd like to be more successful than I already am in writing music for film and television. Okay. I've been somewhat successful in that, uh-huh. but that's a, there's real money in that gig. So, yeah. um, so most of the money I've made is doing that, okay. and I'd like to do more of that. Um, and I'd love to, you know, I'd I'd be tickled to, you know, write a hit pop country song that somebody else sings. Yeah, sure. God knows, God knows I don't want to sing that horrible <laughs> stuff. Um, but I, I'll happily write it for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, now that I've said that, it's like nobody wants, nobody wants to play his song. He doesn't like what we do. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> so one of the questions that I, I, I kind of had written down here was, that, are there other things that you do? And I think you kind of answered that. You, you're doing writing for other things other than just your own personal music. Yeah, I like I like writing for other artists a lot. And um, uh, there was a, there's a band called uh, Maureen and the Mercury Five, and they're a rockabilly band. And Marie Davis is the is the singer, and I had two two cuts on their most recent record, and there were songs that I would never perform. I mean, one I wrote from a female perspective, mm-hmm. um, and then one is an old dancehall pimp song that they uh, adopted and did their own way. So, um, and I don't do rockabilly music, um, yeah. so being able to do rock, you know, do some rockabilly songs and have a real rockabilly band play them, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's and cool. So, yeah, so between film and television, writing for others. And then um, doing my own music, you know, that kind of, that fulfills me. Uh, and that's what I'm going to keep doing until I can't do it anymore. And then I do have a goal to get to the United Kingdom. I mean, where there's a huge American roots following mm-hmm. in the United Kingdom. I get, a, I get a lot of love from the United Kingdom, both in terms of fans and, and airplay. That's awesome. I just got to figure out how to afford it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So how can how can people reach out to you, find your music, and uh, engage you on the on the social media circuits? Where can they find you? There we go. Well, you can find me on all of the social media outlets, you know, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and so forth. But the the place that I interact with fans uh, frequently and 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 quickly is at my Facebook page, the R.J. Comer Music Facebook page. You know, that's the one that I do myself. Nobody else pretends to be me. Right. You know, if, if, I were, if, if you send me a message or you comment on something 
and I comment back, that's me talking to you. Yeah, cool. And I love interacting with fans that way. But also rjcomer.com, which is the website where you can find out where I'm going to be playing, and you can read more about my background, you can listen to the music, you can look at some pretty good pictures. Um, I pay a lot for those photographers to make me look better than I am. <laughs> <laughs> you can see the videos. Yeah. And everyone should go to the RJ Comer YouTube page, because I work hard on those music videos, and... Um, I hope people really enjoy them, and I'd love to hear uh, people's reaction to them. Yeah, cool, good. And the CD is uh, Nightly Suicide, and that's out now. Yep. And uh, thanks, RJ. It's been great talking to you. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks a lot. It was my pleasure. I really appreciate it. Take care. Let's take a listen to one of the tracks on RJ's latest CD, Nightly Suicide. This is cut number four, The Moon Ain't Fallen On Me Yet. Angels love me, but the devil owns me And the battle keeps me on my feet Under moonlight I am walking lonely Down the middle of the street Rolling dice with bloody fingers I risk it all on every bed but under moonlight, still I linger And the moon ain't falling on me yet No, the moon ain't falling on me yet Gather round here, strike the band up Dance with pain and drink despair If life's a joke, then I am Doing stand up, the city laughs like someone's there. Kiss the bricks, they taste of bourbon, and a choice is made without regret. To the dust I may be returning, but the moon ain't falling on me yet. No, the moon ain't falling on me yet. No, the moon ain't falling on me yet. Learn to fight by getting beat up when I left my shoes in the wrong place. Under moonlight, now I put my feet up since I disappeared without a trace. Fell from grace, but still I landed upright And I keep moving on lest I forget That any sunset could bring my last moonlight But the moon ain't falling, the moon ain't falling The moon ain't falling on me yet No, the moon ain't falling on me yet But the devil owns me and the moon It ain't falling on me yet Hey 
Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the Internet at AmericanaRhythm.com. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, the Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at IntoHistory.com.